Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 15th episode of the Trojan Venture Podcast. It is actually a solo episode for me today, as Vivek is road tripping from Chicago back to school here in L.A. I got back to L.A. yesterday from the Bay Area, and so school is coming up soon, but we have more podcasts on the way, including today. And today we have a really exciting guest, so might as well just introduce him. I'm super excited to welcome Amobi Okugo, the owner and founder of The Frugal Athlete and a Forbes 30 Under 30 inductee. Amobi's company, The Frugal Athlete, helps athletes make, manage, and multiply money through financial education and athlete empowerment. Amobi also spent over a decade as a professional soccer player, spanning from 2010 to 2021 across the MLS and USL. Amobi also has experience launching digital media campaigns and building partnerships at companies such as Interrupted, the Joe Moore Foundation for Teamwork, Stern Group, and Four Soccer Ventures. Amobi is also currently the Chief Facilitator Officer at Serve Consulting LLC and a partner at Pitch Creative. Really, I've been excited for this episode for a long time. Can't wait to hear Amobi's story. So let's get right to it. Hey, Moby. Thanks for coming on the show. No, a pleasure, uh, pleasure to connect with you again, Eric. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm super excited. I've been looking forward to this one for a while, given really your unique background into the business world. And so kind of my first um, question kind of revolves around the interaction between athletics and the business side, because during your latter time, latter half of your time in the MLS, um, as well as your time in the USL, you served as a representative for the Players Union. And one of your yeah. main roles was to take part in negotiating the collective bargaining agreements for both leagues. So I was wondering, why did you feel it was important for you to take on a leadership role among your fellow players? No, that's a great question. <laughs> Way to start off the podcast. Well, heavy hitters. I love it. Uh, so for me, it was more about getting involved. You know, you want to know when I was a, a rookie in the league, 2010, I, I came into the league and we were doing CBA discussions and I had no idea what was going on because I was just new. And it was like, yeah, you, you get drafted, but you may possibly have to, you know, do a lockout it's like wait why you know so coming into the situation my rookie year not really understanding it and then going you know growing into the league and understanding the nuances the business practices you know all the logistics behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see I was like I need to get involved and I need to be involved in you know not only the growth of the game but the protection of the players and trying to figure out what makes sense from the standpoint of, you know, what are we really arguing about or what are we fighting for as it relates to the CBA? And that's kind of why I took a, um, a leadership role or active and proactive presence, um, specifically with MLS, but then more importantly with USL because uh, that's a lower division. So player rights are even more scrutinized. So um, taking my experience from MLS and helping out at the USL level was um, was not only helpful to the players, but helpful to me personally as well. And you bring up the collective bargaining agreements, and one of the main factors in that obviously has to do with money. And yeah. one of, as we'll get into about your company, the Frugal Athlete, one of the things that a lot of young athletes struggle with is how to maintain your finances and how to invest properly and maintain that growth. And so I'm wondering when you first entered the MLS, 
what were some kind of lessons or events that you had surrounding your own relationship with money that kind of then provided you insight for your involvement with the players union and kind of the frugal athlete? Yeah, most definitely. I think three things come to mind. Uh, first was when me and my roommate, my teammate, were trying to get an apartment and we like we're trying to sign a lease and they were like yeah you don't qualify and it was like wait how do we not qualify we just signed first round deals and it was because we didn't have any credit history so they had no proof of us paying so understanding that and having to get like a, a guarantor to sign on our behalf that we would pay and it was just the whole like situation it's like yo like you see the money we're making like we just got drafted and still um, that was an issue that we had when it comes to understanding like credit. And if we had known, we could have got like a, a secured credit during college to make sure we're like building the credit history, having a record of paying. So, cause that was the first time I actually had to pay for something on my own and have like stub pay stubs to show for it. The uh, second occurrence was um, understanding the jock tax rule. So getting taxed wherever you play. So figuring out that aspect of, you know, handling your money but you know when tax season comes around as an athlete there's different stipulations at play um, that you have to account for um, and making sure that you're proactive about it and then the third one is just like finding your financial advisor that fits your own personal um, playbook because as a new person in the league you could take advice from your parents uh, in most cases they're not they've never been in that situation of being an athlete you could take advice from players um, but you want to take that with a grain of salt because you don't know if what their situation looks like compared to you and then you you just want to do your due diligence so those, those are three scenarios or the stories that i always come back to when it comes to like all right these are these are my financial stories that have kind of shaped me and ultimately led me to start a food athlete. and you talk about finding that right financial advisor and many people that would be in your position a high level athlete have a lot of people that are offering their services to <laughs> to manage your money and I guess this would be kind of be a question from you know somebody that would just I mean a high level collegiate athlete now through NIL or just kind of getting into their professional career how do you really decide who is the best person to manage your money um like what's I mean obviously it's personalized to you but what are the some of the things you should look out for no definitely someone that you can trust someone that's going to help teach you because you don't want someone almost like um just saying a bunch of big jargon and like sign trying to sound smarter than they are um and you know impressing you with their intellect you want to have someone that's going to not only teach you but guide you and mentor you um because at the end of the day you're their boss i hate to put it in those words but you are the one that if they don't provide the results you got to fire them and move on so at the end of the day because they're handling such a well, let me not say a significant amount, depending on how much you have assets under management, it all plays a role, but you definitely want to have someone you can trust, um, someone that you can communicate with when, you know, you might need to hit them up at two in the morning. Um, it's someone that's going to teach you. So like, if you need more clarity on, all right, why should I focus on this strategy for this strategy? And someone that you can, ex is going to explain it to you and be patient with you. Um, I think that's really important. And then someone with a, a good track record. So like, you know, if I'm choosing a school district to go to, you want to have, you want to see a track record of success, successful people that they've worked with, successful, you know, testimonials, um, 
things that may not be known about, like you want to make sure that their track record is good. You know, just like when you, ch you shop for a car, you check the Carfax, you check the history. And I think that's really important when you choose a financial advisor. Um, and I feel like people, especially athletes, don't do uh, a good enough or as detailed of a job when it comes to hiring other financial advisors. And you bring up a good point about, you know, all the different things you have to think about when looking for someone to manage your money. And you started the Frugal Athlete back in 2016. So it's been about seven years now. And wow. so I was wondering, yeah, I mean, so I was wondering, yeah, if you could kind of just take me through the process of how does, how, how are you working with the athlete? What type of services are you providing? What's kind of the journey that they go through and how, how do you uh, support them? No, most definitely. So a frugal athlete is essentially an online financial media platform where we try to help athletes make, manage, and multiply their money through financial education and athlete empowerment. So our main driver is content. We want to share stories. We want to share curriculum. We want to share uh, positive examples of athletes that are doing it the right way. Um, when it comes to working with the athletes specifically, we are financial coaches. So we'll do workshops. We'll do guidance. Um, we'll do some coaching. Um, our plan is not to work with them forever. Well, we hopefully they get to the stage where they can either um, they have the principles to work on their own or they move on because they've signed a bigger deal and they have a wealth manager, financial advisor, someone that's actually going to help with their money. We're focused on the basics around money. We're focused on understanding your behavior and emotions around money. We're focused on helping you understand and having a clear, clearer picture around, you know, money. So that's kind of how we work with uh, athletes on an individual basis. And um, we work with teams and organizations, speaking engagements, workshops, different things like that. But specific to the athlete, it's more a financial coaching aspect where we're almost like their accountability partners, um, mentors in a way, help them understand like if you have a series of different financial advisors, here are some questions that you can ask them based on, you know, how you think about your personal playbook um, and kind of go from there. And you mentioned content, and I think that's a really appropriate transition to my next question, because I've done some, obviously, some digging on your kind of over a decade of doing content, whether that's with Adidas or, you know, Interrupted or a bunch of these different companies. And you've had tremendous success in kind of building these campaigns, both for yourself and for others. And I personally think one of the biggest things that's leading to that is kind of your authenticity in, in your, in your approach. And so I was kind of wondering, what do you attribute that to that success to? I think to be honest, it's just, just trying and seeing what works like, you know, especially because I've been able to do it on my own. I, I don't have to like climb up the ladder and ask for permission. And that's what's kind of been so great about social media, um, just leveling the playing field for creators of all sorts. Um, just like if I have an idea, I run with it. If the feedback's good, I continue it. If not, then I make adjustments. And so far, uh, I've been able to learn a lot, but I've also been able to be authentic to myself and do things not only that I think are good, but do things that I, I know are going to get good responses based on the feedback and based on the research that I've been able to do through the content I've been doing uh, continuously over the course of the past 10 plus years. And so you've always kind of had this business element side of you, even while you were still a kind of a professional athlete. 
And I was wondering, what would you say are some of the main lessons that you took from your sports career, whether that's growing up, training, that you think has really helped you in accelerating your business career? Oh, that's a good question. I would say uh, the biggest thing is just immersing myself in different environments for in, in terms of where I want to go. So obviously we have a connection with Next Play. So like joining their cohort, that's been one. Um, doing a bunch of executive education courses. My biggest thing is just if you're not learning, you're not earning. So um, my biggest thing is like putting myself in environments where I'm learning from people that I want to model my career after or aspire to be. And it's just iron sharpens iron. I've been able to learn that way. Um, definitely reading books. So I'm always, you know, reading a book or listening to a podcast. But then how do you take that information and apply it? So um, the biggest thing is applying it and then learning, you know, through experience and through doing. And so far, it, that's been a, a great recipe for um, the development of my business career. And you mentioned Next Play, which we both obviously have a connection to. And their mantra is obviously helping athletes kind of take that energy that they had for athletics and building into their next chapter. And obviously, they're focused specifically on venture capital and providing unique access. And I think this follows a larger trend in the last couple of years of athletes really entering the investment space. And why do you think that is? Why do you think athletes are getting more into investing? And how do you think that's making the venture landscape more inclusive? Yeah, I, I really think, and shout out to NextPlay, because they've been a big integral piece for the development of athletes and bringing them into this ecosystem. But it's really excellence through exposure. You know, now that we're getting exposed to understanding these deals, back in the day, we didn't hear about the stories about Joe Montana and Ronnie Lott and, you know, Troy Aikman getting into these venture deals. Now we, it's like we like there's specific newsletters that are highlighting athlete and VC every day. So the fact that it's out there and it's attainable, um, athletes want to follow that model. So obviously we, we have the connection to next play. You know, there's countless countless athletes that have been part of that program, whether myself, Kelvin Beecham, um, other athletes to name that are finally getting the exposure, but not only getting the exposure, but, you know, contributing to the space. And the only thing is going to continue to grow. Like you said, BC is just one small slice of the whole pie in terms of where athletes can go using their talents from sport and applying it to business. Um, but BC is one that's really popular now just because of how um, how fluid we're able to move into the space. When you were going through kind of the next play cohort, what were some of the main insights you kind of got from the program? Oh, that's crazy. Because my first introduction to VC was through Next Play. So I did their first Bridge Summit, or not their first one, but one of the first iterations of the Bridge Summit. Then I did the cohort. And I think the biggest thing that I've been able to learn as an athlete in the VC space is that we have valuable insights that we can provide into that space. So understanding something that Ryan News says is the, the scariest thing an athlete can do is realize they can compete in another arena because we have all the qualities so that's one two is like understanding how to implement um or, or like how to con contribute so just because you have money that, that that's not the only way you can contribute into the vc space you know being an advisor being a connector almost a conduit being a, a consultant being a product review so for example, we went to Tonal before they're, when they were in stealth mode, like we went to their warehouse in San Francisco, saw what they were building, 
and it was still in stealth. So we like had to sign NDAs and everything. And to be able to be and give them insight as an athlete, like, oh, this works, this is too much. And then within the next six months to a year, they go live, go to market. It's like, all right, some of the things that we may have said help their strategy and their go-to-market strategy. So things like that, you know, access, um, cool factor in terms of branding and ambassadors, ambassadorship. So there's so many different ways that I've learned. And then um, from a technical standpoint, just different technical terms, uh, next, next play was able to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but they put it in layman's terms. So things like, um, like acronyms that you were like, you might have to be like, oh, what does that mean? And it was basically like, yo, this is what it means. And use like sports terminology to kind of break it down, you know? So that was, that was really cool. And I want to transition a little bit because I think obviously there's such a main topic right now with Messi coming to the MLS. Yeah, yep. Seeing like just an explosion in this league that has been dormant for a long time. Um, and one of the things that you've been working on is consulting for Four Soccer Ventures, which is really dedicated to advancing soccer in America. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear your take also kind of on what you think Messi will do for soccer in America long term. But I guess my first question would be, why do you think it is important for soccer to grow in America, whether that's on or off the field? No, it's great. And it's like, it's my timing was off. I wish I was still playing while Messi was here. (laughs) But to be fair, in sports soccer, shameless play, sports soccer literally just came out with like a fan insights report. So I'll send it to you offline if you want to share it with with your audience. For me, soccer is the global game. And America, as a country, is the melting pot. I don't even like to say melting pot, like the salad bowl of different cultures, ethnicities, um, groups. So why not touch the global game in the country? You know, and with the advent of Messi coming into the league, with the World Cup right around the corner, with the Olympics right around the corner, this is the potential, I don't want to say turning point, if done right, if, you know, the stakeholders that in charge can help you know, galvanize a group of individuals and communities to really, really use soccer as a catapult for what we talk about, being the global game, being the connector of different cultures and ethnicities and groups and communities. How do we use soccer to do that? And I think Messi is a big turning point. He's one of the, like, I don't want to say like one domino that will help push this along, but he's definitely a key component that can help do that but it's not just going to be messy that answers all the problems so i'm excited not only about messy but what it entails obviously there's going to be more money into the sport both on the men's and women's side um but what are we going to be doing on a grassroots level what are we going to do on a youth to pro pipeline how are we going to market not only to the communities that are involved in soccer now but the other communities that have been involved in soccer but from a global perspective and not a domestic perspective. So how do we mesh the two? Um, But these are all exciting times. And this is why I'm still in the soccer space, even after I retire, because uh, I'm really intrigued on how it's going to go. And one of the really interesting things about the messy deal with Inter Miami was that he basically got a share of the league's revenue from Apple. TV. Obviously he's a special case that won't apply to every player, 
But I think it ties back to our kind of conversation around how can athletes build a business portfolio while still in their career? Um, and so how would you advise, you know, some of your clients might have this who are still playing? How, how would you advise them to still look after their finances and actually maybe expand their business profile while they're still an athlete? No, that's a great question. And yeah, uh, Messi signed an amazing deal. And even it's still early, but you can even argue that he might have got underpaid. I would say so. Yeah, it was really unbelievable the impact he's already had and the impact that he will continue to have just in terms of like that, like I said earlier, that domino effect, even though he's just not the whole domino, but one one key cog as it relates to athletes, specifically soccer. Definitely, I, I always highlight thinking of yourself as an athlete CEO. Um, you are an entity, you are a business, you are a brand. So while you do play for a team and you got to represent your team, you also got to represent yourself. Think of yourself as a Fortune 500 company. Now there's different levels to Fortune 500 company. Obviously, if I'm coming into MLS, I'm not going to get the same deal like Messi. I'm not going to get revenue shares with Apple TV or a percentage of ticket sales, but I have a unique opportunity to leverage my name, my ability, my business to do community partnerships, to highlight my stories, to making sure um, I'm able to garner partnership deals. Um, and I, I don't want it to get lost in the fact that you have to keep the main thing, the main thing and make sure your performance is good because that answers a lot of problems. Like Messi wouldn't have these opportunities if he wasn't one of, if not the best player in the world. So how am I making sure that I'm staying on the field and performing at a high level so that I can definitely even use that as more leverage for community partnerships, brand sponsorships, building up my social media platform, connecting with corporate sponsors, whatever it is, licensing deals. You know, the league is growing and it's only going to continue to grow. So you have to think of yourself as an athlete CEO. And you mentioned partnerships. I think that Obviously, the bigger the athlete you are, the more opportunities you have for partnerships. Have there been any, you know, on the grassroots level, because I think that's a really interesting space you touched on. Have there been any cool examples that you've seen of athletes, even if they're not a household name, kind of making a huge impact on the grassroots level? Yeah, right now, just recently, I'm from the soccer space, a lady uh, soccer player, I think she's retired now, but Jenny Muno, she just recently did like an all- uh, uh, all girls like free camp clinic type thing in partnership with Honey Stinger. Um, and Honey Stinger is a company that's looking to get more involved in the, the, um, let me saw, let me not say the stand, I don't want to say the standard sports, but because they've been involved in like cross country, running, mountain biking, hiking and stuff, but they're trying to get involved in the, the core sports, I should say. Um, so they were able to do a partnership in LA recently and uh, just to be able to provide uh, an, uh, an outlet for youth sports, um, youth access um, is amazing to see. Um, other athletes that are doing it the right way, uh, not related to soccer, but someone like Eric Armstead, who does a lot of stuff around STEM, um, using his corporate sponsorships to not only use it for himself, but to partner with the things that he's passionate about. Um, there's so many athletes that are doing it for good. Obviously, LeBron James and his Chase Bank partnership, JP Morgan Chase, and all they've done with like I Promise. Um, but it's it's the unique corporate social responsibility strategy that companies are allowed to do in using athletes 
missions and passions to help push the impact forward. I think that's, that makes total sense. And I, I think I love, it's awesome to see how many people, even if they're not a, you know, a household name, being able to make a real impact. And so I have one final question. I think that whether that's in financial advising, athletics, business, one of the biggest things people can do is to have great role models and great mentors. And I was wondering who have been some mentors in your life that have really helped you on a personal professional level to kind of get to get you to where you are. Most definitely. Well, first and foremost, definitely uh, God, but um, in terms of people, um, my parents, for sure, being a first generation Nigerian American, seeing the sacrifices that they made and all the, like the guidance that they've helped me. Um, definitely uh, my first coach, Coach Ruben, uh, a mentor of mine, Joel Mitchell, uh, John Harris, who's helped me with my graduating while I was playing professional. Uh, um, those are big influences, you know, gentlemen like Ryan East, Kelvin Beecham, Andrew Hawkins, you know, just showing that athlete to business pipeline roadmap would have been tremendous in my in my current endeavors. So that's kind of, you know, I, I get mentors like from direct contact, mentors that I don't I haven't even met yet, but I follow their strategy, listen to them on their podcast, follow them on social media, read the books that they recommend. So that's kind of how I've gone about it. And um, it's been it's been a tremendous journey so far. Well, Moby, I really want to just thank you again on behalf of myself, but also anybody, college students that would really be listening to this, because I think your story is really so unique. That's why I wanted to have you on. And you're kind of such a seamless transition that you've had from being such a great athlete to being a great business person. And so I really think this conversation will hopefully provide value for a lot of people. So I, I really thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you for having me, man. Great stuff, what you're doing, you know, to give the outlet for collegiate, you know, individuals, whether they're student athletes, students, whoever, at this age is amazing. So any way I can help, just let me know. Awesome. All right. Thank you. So it was such a pleasure to have a Moby on the podcast today. Such an interesting story of somebody who is a high-level athlete and took his experience as an athlete and turned it into kind of a new venture for himself. And I, I love all the perspectives he gave about, you know, how you should pick your financial advisor, um, how you should think about being a business while you're still an athlete. Um, and I think all of his his advice was really insightful. And I think it can be used for people that are, aren't even in the sports universe, but are just trying to transition into the business world from somewhere else. So just really wanted to thank Amobi for taking the time today. And we'll actually be back next week with another episode, August 22nd to be exact. So stay tuned and we will see you all soon.